closing up shop here from the Trails Golf Club for the annual Meals on Wheels charity golf tournament. And we welcome in the pro, baby. We welcome in the GM head golf professional, Alan Hager, from out here at Trails. Did you play this because of more comments from Carl Williams and the Caleb Williams camp? No, I did not, but that works out pretty well, doesn't it? I'm enjoying this, man. Thematic. Thematic on this Monday for the Williams camp, who officially losers in the city of Norman and, well, the state of Oklahoma and beyond. But we, we have moved past that. We have moved past that this morning, though there are some responses that I still need to clean up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line about just that, and we can do so as we progress throughout hour number three. Again, we're hanging out at the Trails Golf Club, was just talking to Alan Hager, who's the head man out here at the Trails Golf Club, I, I think he's going to hop on with us before we hop out of here, maybe to close this hour, but he and the crew always do a great job for this Meals on Wheels charity golf tournament. And we've been telling you all morning long about how you can get involved with Meals on Wheels of Norman. So the expansion talk, 16 or 20, we've got one response here on the Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439, 20-team conference. They vote, keep on adding, baby. And Ryan, he's the opposite. Stop expansion at 16. Our schedule will be awesome. Expanding just gives losers like Oklahoma State hope to get out of dying leagues like the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Let's see, do we have any other responses? No, I think that's that's all of the should they should they keep expanding or not responses on the text line. I like what you said, Pierce. I think uh, if you're going to expand, the reason you would expand really is just because you don't want the Big Ten getting Clemson, Florida State, Notre Dame, Miami, whichever schools you want to toss in. Uh, that the SEC would add. Oregon and Washington, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the SEC is altogether interested in that. Doesn't seem like they are, but, uh, I mean, it wouldn't be the, you know, it wouldn't be a total surprise if the SEC went that went that route and added those two just because of the media markets. Here's a breaking report from this morning, though. This is from Saturday Down South. SEC sources, and Matt Hayes wrote the story, by the way. S, S, uh, Saturday Down South sources, they, they wrote SDS. It threw me off at the front. I thought they had a typo there and wanted to type SEC sources. No, they're Saturday Down South sources. SEC wants to end expansion race, stay at 16 teams. Here's what the SEC athletic director anonymously said to Saturday Down South, quote, we're positioned at 16 teams for a robust future. The need just isn't there. That was uh, the end of that quote. He had one more here. I don't see any expansion move as threatening to us. So I guess that would be if the Big Ten goes to 20 and adds Notre Dame, a couple of Pac-12 schools, maybe uh, an ACC school, 
at least according to this one athletic director, they're not viewing that as anything that necessarily would motivate or necessitate the SEC to then counter-strike, if you will, and get to 20 itself. I do subscribe a little bit to the idea, Pierce, that what you're saying, maybe you add just to beat the Big Ten in adding, because let's call it what it is. It's a TV network's arms race. That's what this is. It's about acquiring the best college football properties. And if you're the SEC and you've got a chance to do that, then it would make sense for everybody's bottom line to do just that. The SEC, though, at 16, from a scheduling standpoint, I love it. I just, you know, it makes so much sense the way it would be set up. For Oklahoma, you've already got the built-in rivalries right there. I think Arkansas, I've said it a number of times on this program and on the, the podcast side as well with John Williams, I've said that Arkansas, to me, has a chance to essentially replace Oklahoma State if Bedlam goes by the wayside. And in some ways, that might be a slap in the face to Arkansas in terms of their competitiveness potentially projecting forward with Pittman and company at uh, Arkansas. Maybe they can even beat OU a few more times than really Oklahoma State percentage-wise has beaten Oklahoma. But I say Arkansas replaces Oklahoma Oklahoma State in the sense that chief rival for OU, always going to be Texas. Always, 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 always going to be Texas. And if OU fans like to hear it or not, Oklahoma State, Bedlam is a rivalry. If you want to throw the all-time football record out there, you can throw the all-time football record out there. Certainly in the non-football sports, Bedlam is a big-time rivalry. It is with Oklahoma State. So if that's gone by the wayside in football, Arkansas, because of the proximity, is a natural fit to turn into a healthy, heated dislike between Oklahoma and Arkansas fans, both in terms of recruiting and then obviously just in terms of on the field between those two programs. So that, to me, you've got the rivalries there. Texas A&M, you get Texas A&M back. That uh, is, again, a, you know, I don't know that you put Texas A&M into the rival category, but their old conference foes, with what they've done recruiting-wise, with the perceived arrogance of A&M in correlation to historically what they've achieved, yeah, there's some strong dislike from Oklahoma fans toward Texas A&M. Again, I don't know that I would put it in the rivalry category, but some friendly, friendly dislike between those two. Uh, Missouri, you get Missouri back, and then you just think about all the different schools in the SEC that, of course, Oklahoma is going to be tangling with moving forward. And with 16 teams, you stay at that, you see everybody every other season, and you host everybody once every four seasons. I just really like that setup. The scheduling portion of it is so much easier. But how about this? I teased it before the top of the hour, gentlemen. Notre Dame holds a key chess piece in terms of all of this, we think, right? We think based on how the Big Ten has acted so far after 
acquiring USC and UCLA after admitting those two into the Big Ten Conference, we think that probably they're not going to add Oregon and Washington unless they get the idea, okay, we're getting Notre Dame and whoever else they could add with Notre Dame. Maybe it's just Oregon. Maybe they don't go to 20. Maybe it's just those two, and they say Notre Dame, Oregon, boom, to 18. But it's equally feasible that the Big Ten could turn around, go to 20 under that scenario. Yeah, and the, the, rich, if, the rich tradition of Notre Dame is what catches everyone's eyes and what, a reason why they would sort of make that move, the SEC. Cause we've seen so many years where Notre Dame gets hate for their, you know, their lack of toughness in their schedule. So if they go to the SEC, they'd be t- playing a tough game day or week in and week out. I think Notre Dame's important for Oklahoma State. I think Notre Dame's important for Oregon, for Washington, not because of the Big Ten connection. I think Notre Dame's important for Baylor. I think Notre Dame's important for Central Florida. I think Notre Dame's important for all of these Big 12 schools, these ACC schools, and the Pac-12 schools that are going to be jockeying for inclusion in a college football playoff going forward. So if Notre Dame makes the jump and goes to the Big Ten Conference, follow me on this, fellas. Then all of a sudden the Big Ten gets to, let's say, 20 schools hypothetically. The SEC fires back. They add whichever four schools you want to pick off the board to get to 20 as well. Now all of a sudden you've got 40 power five schools as we've known them from years past in two different conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC. And you've heard all this discussion and scuttlebutt out there over the last couple of weeks ever since the – USC and UCLA news broke to join the Texas and Oklahoma news. And, oh, my goodness, where is this all going? Where is all of this going to wind up? Where are we headed moving forward? If you get to that point where there's those 40 schools, whichever whichever of those 40 they are, then I can see a scenario where the Pac-12 leftovers, where the Big 12, where the ACC leftovers – are essentially boxed out of playing for a national championship. Well, they're they're gonna have no they're gonna have scenario. no they're gonna have no other to- choice to just join each other if they're the ones left. And I haven't we haven't pointed this out yet, but if you if the SEC does go to twenty and the Big Ten somehow adds four more teams, you have to expand the college playoff, right? You're gonna have so many one loss teams for sure, and then so many two loss teams in the SEC and Big Ten that have a right to go to the playoffs so i think you're gonna have to expand it to at least eight maybe 10 maybe 12 what do you think about that well i think a lot of this is in flux i think so much of it connor's in limbo here i've said you know last week that warren from the big 10 just looks like the slickest businessman of all because here he formed this alliance and led the Pac-12 and the ACC powers that be to thwart, to halt expansion. It was right on the doorstep, right? Before this Texas-Oklahoma move to the SEC was announced, we were getting 
eight teams in the college football playoff. We were getting 12 teams in the college football playoff. Who knows? Maybe 16 teams in the college football playoff. Warren says, ah, the battle lines have been drawn. Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. No expansion for the college football playoff today. We are fighting for the future, the sanctity of college football. And then lo and behold, what does Warren do? He stabs his Pac-12 brethren in the back and adds USC and UCLA. This thing is, here's what I'm getting at. This thing is trending toward potentially, guys, in NFC AFC situation that's, that's to where exact, you got exact, 20 teams that's exactly what it is yeah it's trending toward that type of deal if you've got 40 teams in those two power leagues and all of those other schools are boxed out now if Notre Dame doesn't join the Big 10 it's going to be really hard for the ESPNs and the Foxes of the world and the powers that be Whichever TV and streaming companies you want to toss into this, if you don't think they have weight in the room to throw around, you're fooling yourself. It's going to be hard for them to not have a scenario that has a path to the playoff for Notre Dame, well, if for they, Clemson, well, if they, if they for stay, Florida State. Right. If they stay independent, every time you got to pick a two-loss SEC team over Notre Dame just based on their scheduling they have in the independent so if if Nordane doesn't join the SEC or Big Ten, they're going to have trouble making a playoff if this thing does stay at four. I just think that little portion of all of this is interesting to think about because I can see a scenario where whether it's Oklahoma State, whether it's Baylor, if they're not one of those 40, or if it gets to the point, and I think both would probably get included – if it goes, hey, 24 in the Big Ten, which would be wild, 24 in the SEC, which would be wild, I think both like a Baylor and an Oklahoma State would be ultimately added somewhere if we go all the way to 48. But if it's at 20 for each, you're looking at a place to where probably Baylor and Oklahoma State aren't in, right? And then all of a sudden, a college football national champion, I can see a scenario where the – Big Ten and the SEC set it up and say, okay, here's our quarterfinalists, and those are the top teams in the league. They play there in both the Big Ten and the SEC, and essentially it turns into what we have in the NFL playoffs, and you got a Super Bowl champion, and that's it. That's who your national champion of college football is. As long as Notre Dame is not in either the SEC or the Big Ten, it keeps the entrance alive for the Pac-12, for the Big 12, for the ACC. But as soon as those final dominoes fall, we could be existing. We could be living in a world to where a lot of teams simply aren't a part of the college football playoff going forward, what we know as the college football playoff going forward. I think that's fascinating. And It's, it's weird I'm thinking this, but some part of me thinks that Let's just throw these conferences aside and just schedule. You got a twelve game schedule. Schedule ten games against Power Five conferences and have two non conference foes. That's what I, I mean. These conferences have just gone off the tracks, and people have their own opinions. It's just it's just a lot a lot different in this era how this is folding up with the SEC and Big Ten. I can make an argument too that it's advantageous to Oklahoma 
and to Michigan and to Ohio State and to Alabama and to Georgia to keep a little bit of exclusivity. 16's a lot of teams, right, in both the Big Ten and the SEC. But right now they've got financial power over Clemson. They've got financial power over Florida State. They've got financial power over Oregon, over Washington. And as soon as you invite those folks in, you surrender that. So right now I can see where that Saturday Down South report that we shared with you from Matt Hayes this morning, I can see where the SEC presidents and athletic directors could look up. And same thing for the Big Ten. Yeah, there could be more money on the board for them if they keep expanding. But at what point do you get to that point to where you say, you know what, we've got a healthy, healthy amount of cash coming in from these television deals, and we've also got a nice little built-in advantage financially over Oregon, over Washington, over Clemson, over Florida State, over Notre Dame, and do you cut it off and keep it exclusive because of that? Well, and then you got, I mean, USC and UCLA, everyone's going to want to see those matchups and how they play in the Big Ten. They're going to have to adjust to a lot, Josh. We know the timing, the travel they have. Like, or, or Travis Davidson pointed this out, the closest, if they drove, the closest drive to a conference team would be 22 hours. So they're going to have to do a lot of adjusting. I think everyone's going to want to see. 22, <laughs> 22 hours. hours. Everyone's going to want to see how USC and UCLA handle themselves in the Big Ten. So I think they're, the Big Ten is set with those two teams. They bring in a lot of. They have a lot of rich tradition and history, too. I mean, they haven't been great over the last five years, and people, some people wanted Oregon instead of UCLA, but, yeah, it'll be interesting how those two teams play out. Yes, it will. It uh, has been a crazy summer already. I think we're on pause for at least a couple of years, but those musical chairs, I don't know that we're all the way done. Probably we're not over the next however many years as this college football playoff TV contract gets closer and closer to expiration. Timeout, first timeout of hour number three, our final hour. Still time for you to chime in. If Bill is still there, we'll get him in here next. If not, uh, we'll roll through the text line. Back after this, it's the Plank Show on the ref. Back with you, it's the Plank Show. Final hour from out here at the Trails Golf Club which is looking fabulous, looking tremendous this morning. It's the Meals on Wheels annual charity golf tournament, Meals on Wheels of Norman, an awesome organization that uh, you can get involved in. They would love to continue to add volunteers. Meals on Wheels of Norman, number to call is 321-7272. That's 405 405- Three two one seventy two seventy two, where you can volunteer and Meals on Wheels. They've been delivering nutritious meals to the ill, disabled, and elderly of Norman, helping our community out since nineteen seventy two. A bunch on the text line that look, quite frankly, I got to do a good job of responding to here for you. Big Bad Wolf Air Comfort Solutions text line four zero five. 651-3439. I wish the SEC would swap a team with Nebraska. I feel like Nebraska is an SEC school. In the rivalry between OU and Nebraska would be 
great for television networks. Yeah, I'd love to have that game back as an annual rivalry, too. I would say, though, that culturally, Nebraska is much more of a Big Ten fit. I don't think that fan base, they don't strike me as an SEC-type school. They love their football. Football's everything at Nebraska. But the administration, top to bottom, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'd they, like they to kinda, have them. I mean, I would, it'd be good, but. Yeah, I would love that. But I think, yeah, you're right. They match that brand of football in the Big Ten. But, hey, the fan experience in Lincoln, though, they would bring a lot of that to the SEC, and they would match up perfectly. And, yeah, like you said, we would have the OU-Nebraska rivalry on a yearly basis, and that would be huge. But, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think they really fit in the SEC, and I don't think they would really recruit well in the SEC either. 20 teams is too many. You want to be able to play teams in your conference and visit their stadiums more than once every 10 years, which that's exactly exactly the argument we've been saying for the SEC to remain at 16, right, is, hey, this makes it scheduling, not that it's easy or whatever, but, look, the fact that you can play everybody once every other season and host everybody once every four seasons, that's pretty good for a 16-team league in football. I mean, that's what you want, right, is the opportunity to see everybody in your league frequently. And as soon as you get to 20, I'm sure somebody out there smarter than me can come up with a good way, maybe, with a 20-team mega conference to make it to where you can see more schools more regularly than at least my brain initially is thinking. But, man, it just seems like the more you keep expanding out, it gets so much more difficult to do that. And 16's perfect in that regard for me, Connor. Yeah, 20 teams are going to miss out on a lot of matchups down the road for a few years. You, you got your big brands of OU and Texas. That was the main thing that the SEC wanted to do. So you you got it. You got to stay at sixteen, no matter what the Pac-12 and the Big Ten do. You, I think you got to stay at sixteen. It's a perfect fit right now. You would have, you would mostly see every team every year besides two teams. But I think sixteen is the perfect fit. Clemson, Miami, Florida State, Oklahoma State, UNC fits better in the Big for basketball. Uh I think North Carolina, with football improving the way that it has under Mac Brown, and quite frankly, in all of this, basketball's just, it's an afterthought. I get that. It's not a television draw. But I, I just think at some point you do want a dance partner for Kentucky, and North Carolina in that regard would be great. And, yes, Pierce, we do want to squeeze in Bill here before these the little the break here before the bottom of the hour the little break before the bottom of the hour if bill is still there though we ran into trouble last week i kept him on hold yeah. too long plank and i did and he wasn't there but bill good morning good morning i, really, I don't think what's they up need man to go any bigger than nothing much i think they need to stay at 16 teams because if they get these super conferences like some people are saying they're going to run the college game even that way. So who wants to see SEC in the Big Ten all the time? I like to see the 
ACC, the Pac-10, and even some of the lesser Big 12 teams. I don't want to say it's in a 20-team conference or anything like that. No. The problem I think that you're going to run into is that there are schools with great value still out there, and I'll just, since we're on this subject, I'll just read the text that Sean sent in. Oregon's the most important piece left in play, not Notre Dame. The owner of Oregon, Nike, is the second or third largest revenue provider for almost every college team. And that's an interesting point. I still think just in terms of the TV side of it, Notre Dame's more valuable, but Oregon is very valuable, and you've got those two schools on the board. you got Florida State on the board. you got Clemson on the board, Miami, Washington. I mean, there's some schools out there that have a lot of value that, quite frankly, they are desperate now to leave the what's left of the Pac-12. They are desperate now to leave what's left of the Big Ten, or, excuse me, of the ACC to get into the Big Ten, to get into the SEC. And it's going to be hard, I think, for the Big Ten or the SEC for how long, especially if Notre Dame says yes. If Notre Dame gets to the point to where they're willing to give up their independence to join the Big Ten or the SEC, it's going to be hard for the Big Ten and the and the SEC to say no to that extra cash flow that could be brought in. I'm with you. I think you're right. I think you're exactly right, Bill. I think it's healthier for college sports in general if the Big Ten and the SEC stay right here where they're at, right here, right now, 16 teams. For the overall health of the sport, it's best if they don't keep adding. But I just think that as soon as that Notre Dame domino drops or as soon as one of the two, Power 2 now, decides they're going to add Oregon, Washington, Clemson, Florida State, whatever, because those schools are so desperate to get in on the type of cash on an annual basis that the 32 programs now in the Big Ten and SEC are getting, man, it's just it's going to be hard for both the Big Ten and the SEC to continue to say no and to stand stand pat and stay put at 16 teams. But it would be better for college football if they do that just because, again, like I was talking about earlier, I think Notre Dame and Clemson and some of these schools being out of the Big Ten and the SEC, to me that really, really helps everybody else at least have some path to a college football playoff. As soon as they're in, either the Big Ten or the SEC, I think you can kiss the national championship hopes goodbye for a lot of these schools that are on the outside looking in. I think you'll wind up with a playoff format that is totally tailor-made to only include the Big Ten and the SEC. Well, you might think, I don't see Notre Dame giving up their independence until 2025. They were talking to one of the graduates from Notre Dame, and that's what he was saying. I don't see them. They have the power to say yes or no at any time. I tell you what would be funny is see Notre Dame go to the ACC. That would be an interesting domino to fall. Be huge news for the ACC. Then all of a sudden, maybe they pluck Oregon and Washington and start feeling okay and raid the rest of the Big Twelve, right? At Baylor, Oklahoma yeah. State, whoever, and all of a sudden you've got the third power conference, and it's the ACC. But uh, I don't know that that's how all of this is going to shake out. 
Well, it, it makes it makes sense because they play ACC and basketball and baseball too. So it would yeah, it would well, totally make sense they, for them to go to football. You gonna, if you were Notre Dame, where would you want to go? I think you go ACC because you have less competition. You have a good chance with the recruiting prowess that you had to win that conference almost every other year, if not every year, on some occasions. Versus going to the SEC, where you've got other teams, stronger teams, you've got to compete with, and even the Big Ten. I can't. I can't wait to see how some of this plays out over the next couple of years. Not even from the expansion standpoint of is the Big Ten or the SEC going to keep adding, but what is going to happen to the college football playoff? Is it going to stay at four now that the Big Ten has expanded to sixteen? You would think that Warren and the Big Ten stance on how many teams go to the college football playoff, now all of a sudden you would think that they're for college football expansion. Again, I just think that he pulled off a master class in sabotage and espionage here to where really he wanted college football playoff expansion all along but wanted to make sure they added USC and UCLA first. Totally blindsided Clive Coff in the Pac-12, stabbed him in the back, and now probably we're headed in that direction. But can you get all these other leagues to sign off on it? It's going to be fascinating. Bill, hey, thanks for the phone call, man. Yeah, go ahead. How long do you think Mewersfield will stay at USC now? With the the Big Big Ten move? I'm not one of those people that thinks that he turns and – tucks tail and runs away because he's quote-unquote scared of this challenge of the Big Ten Conference. I think all of it will be predicated on how successful he is initially at USC. And if he is very successful, though I think the move to the Big Ten opens up the recruiting doors to both Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan State, who's all of a sudden recruiting really well under Mel Tucker, I don't think that's great news for USC in terms of this monopoly that he thought he was about to have on the state of California recruiting. But I don't think that he just bolts for the first NFL job, which we've kind of, you know, that's been a natural response from some OU fans. I think that if he can be and if he's successful, I do think he's in for the long haul at USC and wants to win a national championship. I don't think he's going to have the right approach to do that. I think his tenure at Oklahoma tells me that, Look, I'm not picking Lincoln Riley to win any big football games in the college football playoff anytime soon, but if he's successful, Bill, I do believe he's in for the long haul at USC, but that's just me. All righty. See you, buddy. Have a good morning. Appreciate the phone call. i got to share some of the other top stories of the day with you. The Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day. What have we missed? Let's dive into it next. Keep it locked in. Plank Show, just a couple more segments before we hand it off to the professionals here this morning, this afternoon with Steelman and Thune. At noon, keep it locked in. It's the ref. Top stories next. couple more segments until we hit the finish line and hand it off for Steelman and Thune at noon. Josh Elmer back with you alongside Connor Pasby and... The kiddo, Pierce Leffelholtz, the intern in the house. Plank, he'll be back as regularly scheduled tomorrow. So for any of you out there that are like, man, this is this is terrible. I got to get my Chris Plank fix. I got to have Plank on the Plank show. He will uh, be back with us tomorrow. 
All right, time to hit some stories that we might have missed. It's the Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day. Let's hit it with big story number five. Novak Djokovic has captured Wimbledon, fourth straight Wimbledon title for Novak Djokovic. But guess what, fellas? He is not playing in the U.S. Open. He's still unvaccinated, and he says, nah, I am not getting vaccinated. I am not playing in the U.S. Open. I think it stinks that uh, Novak Djokovic, first of all, I wish they would, you know, just let him play in the the U.S. Open. I understand the health concerns, but really wish that he, you know, didn't have to be vaccinated to play in the event. But, uh, look, he's he's not – Changing his stance, he will not play in the U.S. Open. Yeah, good good for him. I didn't know that was a thing, that he had to be vaccinated for the U.S. Open. So I didn't know that. I mean, I've been following the Wimbledon a lot this past week. I saw that he took home the crown. But, man, I didn't expect that or didn't know that he had to be vaccinated for the U.S. Open. Do you dig uh, watching Wimbledon? I had fun watching it. I do. It's fun. I just – Honestly, I completely forgot it was Wimbledon time, what, a uh, few weeks ago that we started Wimbledon. But I always look forward to seeing it and seeing Djokovic. And good thing that we saw Nadal again. I know he got injured and couldn't play in the semifinals. I've always I've always enjoyed watching Nadal and Djokovic do their thing. And, yeah, I've been, I've been a big tennis guy growing up and love this time of year for the Wimbledon. We really missed out, though, on Rafael Nadal and Joker for the final. That would have been so good. All right, enough tennis. Enough tennis. <laughs> Let's move on to big story. Enough tennis. The people are they're like, oh, my goodness, get back to Sooner football. Let's hit big story number four. So there's been nothing new on the Kevin Durant front, and we won't spend a ton of time on this, but – I was dialed in. I was tuned in to get up this morning, and Kendrick Perkins said one of the dumbest things I've ever heard this morning in regards to Kevin Durant and his trying to be traded from the Brooklyn Nets. What he did, said what did this he morning. Say, oh, go ahead. What do you say now? Yes, Connor. He said this morning, do you think if Michael Jordan had asked for a trade that he wouldn't have already been traded by now? Oh, my gosh. That was one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. The Kevin Durant thing with the Brooklyn Nets, look, he's under contract. They don't have to trade him just because he requested a trade. This idea in the NBA that as soon as somebody requests a trade that, oh, well, now they're gone. No, the the Nets can take their time, figure out what the best package is in return, and then trade Kevin Durant. Or, here's a crazy idea, they don't have to trade him. And if Kevin Durant doesn't want to honor his contract and go play basketball, well, guess he's going to be sitting out for a couple of seasons. I just thought that was fascinating this morning on Get Up, this narrative that we've created that, oh, well, why hadn't he gotten traded yet? I don't know, because he's under contract and they don't like the offers that they've received. All right, big well, story. My bad, number Josh. three. My bad, Josh. Well, this is that's a big reason why I've been sh- shading away from the NBA now. Not, or I mean, I follow the Thunder, obviously, but outside of the Thunder, the whole NBA in general, 
It's just guys that are wanting on the move constantly after each year. If something do- doesn't go right in one year, they, they feel like they need to get out the door and head to another team. I mean, that, that's a big reason that the NBA is so different now than it was back in the day. You had guys, if they got beat out in the playoffs, they're working hard in, in training, working out to prepare for the next season. Now you have guys that just want out right away and go join a team that's better. It's a lot, man. The NBA is a lot different than it was back in the day. I know, and it's it's not for the better. Okay, big story number three. Just to get you up to date on what you're missing out on first take and get up, uh, there is a top ten list of quarterbacks from the executives in the National Football League. And it's all of the names that you would suspect would be on the top ten, and there will be debate about Dak Prescott. Okay, let's move on to big story number two. And big story number one, the stories we've been talking about all morning. OU baby, red hot. Number 11 in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. All of a sudden, after another flurry of commitments this weekend, that included... Caden Green, Logan Howland, and P.J. Adebaware. So OU, last two months, Parker Thune's been telling you for a while, everybody chill out, R-E-L-A-X, relax. It's all good in the hood. And then uh, what you'll hear about a lot, I would imagine, on this station today, more comments from one Carl Williams about why Caleb Williams left OU. Those are the big stories that we are tracking. we got to hit a T.O., though. My man, Alan Hager, is here to tell us about the golf tournament that's been taking place here at the Trails Golf Club and obviously about uh, the course itself before we get out of here. So we'll do that next. Final segment of the Plank Show on the ref next.